the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a minute past four on Southern California Live on KKLA. I'm Bob Lapine. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. Thanks for joining us in the conversation. And you've heard me say this for the last week or so, but I'm just going to keep climbing on the soapbox and saying this over and over again. We, we got now uh, three and a half weeks before Christmas. Is that what we've got? So it's the today's the the eighth. Christmas is the twenty fifth. I'm doing the math in my head. No, it's two and a half weeks, right? Not that many days from now, and it's Christmas. And so the question is, what are you doing during this time on your own with your family? What are you doing to make sure that the Christmas season is about what the Christmas season is supposed to be about? Because this is a season that can get easily cluttered. We can easily find ourselves uh, thinking about things that are lesser things. And I I came across a book that I was just delighted uh, to see that for some of you, I know you're thinking, well, it's, it's, you know, here it is, it's December 8th and uh, the Advent season is now a week and a half old. So if you, if you missed day one of Advent, you've kind of missed it all. No, if if you're a type A, I'm going to give you permission. You can jump in the middle of Advent and and uh, begin to reorient yourself. Josh and Christy Straub have have written a book for families called "25 Days of the Christmas Story," that is a wonderful book about the people, the characters who make up the Christmas story. It's a great read aloud book for parents, for families, for kids. And I thought while we're talking about the importance of how we keep Christ at the center of our Christmas time. We ought to have Josh join us for a little bit and talk about this. Josh Straub is a, uh, he's a PhD, he's a husband, he's a dad, he is a speaker, an author, family and leadership coach. Uh, He leads Famous at Home, uh, a a company that equips leaders and organizations, military families, churches, on things like emotional intelligence and family wellness uh, he and his wife, Christy, have written a number of books, including a book, by the way, a great book for, for kids called What Am I Feeling to help your kids get in touch with uh, their own emotions, and then a book called What Do I Do With Worry, which a lot of kids have been plagued with over the last year. And he's joining us this afternoon on Southern California Live. Josh, good to have you on here. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. It's always an honor to be with you. Well, I, I look forward to it and appreciate you and Christy and the ministry that you have. And uh, let, let's just talk about the, the Christmas season and how for families it can be. Uh, it, it's so easy for us to lose sight of what we need to be keeping front and center, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, we live in a very frantic world. I mean, we're living in a day and age where, I mean, our world is disordered, and our world has been disordered since the fall of man, but uh, it feels more disordered in our, in our world today than it probably has for many of us in our lifetimes. 
Um, but it's always and, and but it's always been that way, right? I mean, there was a period of 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament where the prophets went completely silent while they're waiting on the birth of Jesus. And it's like in the middle of all of that, what are we doing when we feel like God has went has gone silent on us? And so often what we do is in our lives is we try to fill it. We try to fill it with things. And the Christmas season can very easily be filled with things that numb out the pain of life. And we get frantic, we get running, we buy gifts. And, and there is a spirit of joy that comes with the Christmas season. But if we don't slow down enough, what can end up happening is the, the season can come and go. And we end up looking back and going, man, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy it the way that I had hoped. I didn't really celebrate the way that I had hoped. And I think for all of us, Advent, which means coming, you know, His coming, we know the coming of Jesus' birth. Um, and it means, I mean, there's so much more than just the coming of Jesus' birth for us, which we can talk about. But just the idea that for all of us, what does it look like as families to take a deep breath, to look at the, the you know, as we use the phrase, the reason for the season to take a deep breath and look at God in our own lives. He's not silent, but when we're running, when we're running frantic, it can feel like he's silent because we're not hearing from him. We're not hearing him. And, uh, you know, we were just at a point in our lives where we said, hey, we want to teach our kids the Christmas story. We want them to understand the characters, the people involved, and we want to do it in a fun way. And so that's where the 25 days of the Christmas story came out of is for us to really have our own family slow down. We wrote this years ago just for our own family and then um, turned it into the book that it is today uh, just so that we can experience it as a family. And, uh, and I heard you say there earlier, if you're type A, like the whole point of the book is to, <laughs> yes, there's 25 days, but the whole point is to take a little bit at a time. Like I've already fallen behind in my own Advent devotional, right? Right, like, right. But I just pick up where I'm at, right? You just pick up where you're at. And the book is designed to take and pick and choose what works for you and your family, depending on the ages of your kids. And so this is no, there's no shame or guilt in going, oh, man, we didn't keep up. Um, it's, it's one of those things of just going, God's going to show up, and he's gonna, God's going to show up in every way. When you show up for him, he's right there waiting on you. And so um, I just, that's, that's the beautiful thing about God. When I get busy, he's always there waiting for me, and he's always there, he, he's, you know, to experience him. And so... That's the beauty of this season, and I think if we can press into that and find ways, just one simple way to slow down, um, we can experience it, and, and experience it for, for and with our families in a, in a healthier way. You and Christy are right in the middle of all of this yourselves. I mean, you're not, you have not arrived and figured out how to find the balance and, and keep it all. You're, you're, having to, <laughs> you're having to fight this same fight that all of us are fighting. How old are your kids? Yeah, great question. Yeah, so our son, our oldest is nine. Um, our daughter is seven, and then we have an 18-month-old uh, little boy, Micah. So we got nine, seven, and 18 months. So we started back over. There's an age gap there. We started back over, and now we're like, you know, running frantic again, <laughs> changing diapers all over again. So as you step into, I mean, you get past Thanksgiving and, and Christmas is coming and you know that, do you and Christy sit down and map out a strategy? Do you do this on the fly? How do you approach these days before Christmas and say, let's make sure that we don't, we don't get uh, sidelined and, and get to Christmas and go, oh, yeah, this was supposed to be about Jesus. What happened? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And honestly, it's probably a mix of both. I think, you know, we do the best we can to plan. But as, as you raise a family, I mean, a lot of it is just spontaneous. Some of it is just you do it on the fly. Um, 
but there are there are certain things that we do that we have built into our family rhythms and and we describe them as family rhythms where we have our own rhythms where Christy and I we we do our own I mean we wake up we intentionally go to bed early we wait we intentionally wake up early because if we don't get our time um, our quiet time <clears throat> if you will or our time you know in prayer and silence and solitude with the Lord before the kids wake up it's it's just different you know and so we we really have those rhythms where we try to fight for each other to get that time. And then we do look ahead a little bit and as the Christmas season comes into play, and we look at some of the activities that we want to do with our kids. We look at, uh, you know, the memories that we want to create and make, and we start planning around that. And so, uh, you know, there's certain people we want to spend time with, or if there's family we want to spend time with, we try to be uh, creative about that and intentional about that. And so, so there's events. I mean, you have the event side of it that we're, we have to be intentional with. But then, you know, the family rhythm piece is we're getting our own alone time. But then, you know, usually it's, it's bedtime or it's in the evenings um, after dinner where we sit down with our kids and we'll do the 25 days of the Christmas story. Depending on the activity for the day, I usually try to look ahead to see if it's something we do need to plan for. You know, some of it requires baking some things and things like that. And uh, and so we might plan ahead, you know, in that respect. But, um, you know, and, and Christy and I ebb and flow. Sometimes she takes the lead on it. Sometimes I take the lead on it. Uh, a lot of it depends on how we're feeling, and that, that's where the spontaneity comes into play is how we're feeling and, and how we're doing throughout the day. But um, the, the reality is, is is Jesus is the center of our home. We've created him to be the to create the rhythms and, and, and how things go. And so, yes, it gets messy sometimes. It doesn't always look good, but we, we do our best. To, and there's nights we miss it. I mean, there's nights we don't do all 25. You know, there's some nights that just get busy, or maybe Christy and I are, are out or something like that, and we don't get home in time, the kids are in bed, or whatever. And so, um, so yeah, so it's a mix. Uh, we, we do our best to be intentional with it though, as best as we can. Well, I love the fact that what, what you've done in the book is you've, there's a, there's a story that can be read each day. Uh, you can read day ones about Isaiah and you can find out how the prophet Isaiah figures into the Christmas story, even though he lived 700 years before Jesus was born. But then you have activities and family time questions You've got scripture verses that can be read and or memorized. There's a prayer that can be prayed. You've really mapped out for parents. You, you've made this the kind of thing where without a whole lot of advanced work or effort on our part, we can pick up the book and we can engage even in five minutes of meaningful conversation around the reason for Christmas. We, we think of that as five minutes that doesn't really matter. Our kids will remember that. 20 years from now, they'll remember the Christmas season and how this is what we did at Christmas as a family. Gosh, uh, you're 100% right. And, and I'm glad you said the five-minute thing, too. I mean, there's nights ours will last two or three minutes, and we're just picking one or two things from that day and that character, and we're just maybe praying the prayer or we're asking some of the questions. And depending on the age, it was meant for that. And just, just because one night it goes 30 minutes doesn't you know mean that we're any more spiritual than anybody else. Like The whole point is, is that's what I said earlier, like, Jesus is waiting on us, and if it's one minute of your day that you can take a break, and especially for moms listening, like, you might just have to sneak into the bathroom to get a, a, a minute or two break, you know, and just take a deep breath and just ask Jesus for help. And, like, those are moments where he's just waiting on us and longing for our, 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 our presence as well. And so I think that's the beauty of this is, you know, engage it as you can and, and, and make Jesus the lifestyle of your home. I mean, he is already present with us in our home. We can, you know, it's just a matter of of living according to his character, and that's what we're trying to model for our kids, 
And so, you know, just the other night, for an example, um, you know, we were on um, Joseph, and we were talking about how Joseph, you know, had to make the tough decision. He wasn't married to Mary, but she ends up pregnant, right? And so he's got this crazy decision because people are, um, you know, ridiculing him, you know, he's, and he's just really praying, like, what do I do? And the idea there was, uh, the character trait for Joseph was integrity. And one of the things that uh, the activity was, and trying to teach a seven- and nine-year-old what integrity is, is we simplified it to just saying doing what's right, yeah. right? Doing what's right. And and what was expected in that time is that he would divorce her because she was clearly, you know, having an affair or got pregnant by somebody else. But when the angel showed up to him, he knew that it was from God. And so he didn't do what was expected of society. He did what was right. Well, in that, we play this yes or no game as, as the activity, and you set up one side of the room to be yes and one side of the room to be no, and you role-play scenarios to say, was this acting with integrity or not? Hmm. And, you know, and if it was, you know, you know, say, you know, you decided to cheat on your homework, you know, is that acting, you didn't get it done uh, in time, and you went to class the next day, and, and you, you know, copied somebody else's and turned it in. Is that with integrity or not? You, and the kids would step to one side of the room or, or the other. Uh, and we did that for like two or three minutes. I did it for like two or three scenarios, and they just keep begging me every day they wake up, Dad, can we do the integrity game? I want to do the yes-no game. And it's like this little game that has stuck with them, and I'm I'm dying for scenarios. So if you have any scenarios, send me, please. Uh, it's like, I don't have any more scenarios. I'm done about But to teach our kids integrity. So there might be one or two things that just stick with your kids. That's priceless. Yeah. It is priceless, and and that's what you're building. You're building a treasury of memories that will really be with them for the rest of their lives. And, and again, we can tend to think, I remember when our kids were little and I'd say, we're going to do a family devotion or something, and I'd go, that that went nowhere. They don't, you know, that they were bored, they, they yawned, they didn't. And, and then now that they're adults, they go, oh, yeah, we remember that night we did that or what. It's just, I'm telling right. you folks, if you are faithful Good. to do these things, God is faithful to impress it on the hearts of your kids. Mm-hmm. And during the Christmas season, you've got a ready-made, teed-up opportunity. And with the book that Josh and Christy have put together, you've got something that makes it simple. It's the 25 Days of the Christmas Story, and it's, a, again, a book I'm commending for parents or for grandparents. This is something... Interesting. I'm talking to grandparents who are doing things like this on FaceTime with their grandkids mm-hmm. and finding a way to connect lo- long distance. Isn't that great? That's so good. That's yeah. What a beautiful way to use FaceTime and connect in a deep and meaningful way. I love that. We're talking with Josh Straub. We'd, we'd also love to hear from you about what it is you're doing. What are the rhythms? What are the, the meaningful activities? What have you done since Thanksgiving was over to try to make the Christmas season more Christ-centered in your home. What's working? I mean, this this is a great opportunity for us here as a family on KKLA to have this conversation and share ideas with others. So join us at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Or you can email us if you'd like at SoCalLive at kkla.com. Josh, I mentioned a couple of the other books. You and Christy have been writing basically kids' books, but they're books for parents to use to to help their kids get in touch with their inner lives, get in touch not only with, with what they believe spiritually, but with understanding their emotions. Uh, the, the book that you wrote 
uh, about worry. I'm, I'm just thinking of the last year yeah. and a half in in the culture yeah. we've been in. Uh, kids are more prone to worry because they've been watching mom and dad kind of get all worried about. Well, they're watching all of us put on masks and stay distanced and be concerned about our health. Uh, how do we help kids who are who are fearful and worried about all kinds of things because of what they see going on in our world? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, uh, what's fascinating about what do I do with worry? And, and we try to, to create the same scenarios here in the 25 days of the Christmas story is there's a proverb that says this. It's uh, Proverbs 20. 416, I believe. I got to get that right. Um, it's, I think it's 2416. It says, um, patience is better than power and, and, and controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. And the idea there is that it, if you capture a city, but you can't control your emotions, um, it ain't going to matter. You're going to lose the city. You're going to all because you've got to control your emotions. And if you don't understand what you're feeling or you suppress them, they're controlling you more than you're controlling them. And so I think for, for kids today, you know, and for all of us, I mean, the, there's a spirit of fear that has gripped our country, our, our world, really. And, it, and, and we have to create the environment for our kids to be able to process that worry. And so even the very, fascinatingly enough, the very first day of the Christmas story, um, which it, and it coincides with the What Do I Do With Worry book, is, is to draw a picture um, of you, because because Isaiah the prophet, and it goes the characters go in chronological order. Isaiah was the first 800 years prior to Jesus' coming, um, you know, to prophesy uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And the idea there, the activity was is to draw a picture of a time that you felt worried, um, or scared, or alone, and to draw a picture of that, and to talk about it with your parents, and to say this is a time that I really felt alone. And so our ability to be able to help our kids to, to label it, to talk about it, to put language to it, um, it's not only neurobiologically. I mean, God created our brain in such a cool way to be able to calm it by just talking about worry. And it goes to Philippians chapter 4 when he says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your requests known to God. Basically what he's saying is, is label them to God. Talk to God about your fears, tell him about them, and the peace of God, he's with you. And so the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And so the idea there, then, is to draw a picture of what you're worried about, talk about it with someone that you love, and then draw a picture of Jesus in the picture with you, uh, because he's with us. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And to look at how is Jesus in that moment with us right now, uh, because he is. And so uh, it, it helps us show up in situations differently when we realize that we're not alone and helping our kids understand that God is with us in all of our circumstances. Even when it doesn't feel like it, He's there. He's present. He's with us in the middle of it. And uh, He's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And He will calm our brains when we, when we, have, when we can meet with Him in that. We can, we can sit with Him in that. But when we're meditating on fear, when we're living in the news, or we're living um, on social media and, and consuming fear, when you meditate on fear, fear the spirit of fear— will invade your home. It will invade your life. But when you meditate on the Word of God, when you meditate and you sit in prayer and you meditate on who He is, it has the He's the one who supplies the peace that surpasses all understanding. And so, as you said, Bob, it starts with us as parents. It really does. It starts with how we're managing our own fear. And I'm not saying this takes away all anxiety or anything like that. Um, there's, there's, you know, uh, for sure anxiety um, disorders and that type of thing that, that we need to pay attention to. 
uh, and so I'm, there's no shame here in this, but, but when we do practice the art of prayer and our spiritual disciplines uh, and turn off the news and set certain uh, parameters in our lives, it really has the power to help us as parents, but then to also transfer that to our kids to be a safe place for our kids to either draw or talk about what they're worried about. Yeah, a lot of times, and this is, as you just said, this is not universally true, but a lot of times the fear that our kids are experiencing is imitative fear. They are just, they're freaking out because they saw us freak out or because they saw somebody around them freak out and they're just imitating the behavior (laughs) that they've seen. My wife makes fun of me because, my wife makes fun of me because, you know, I'm the I'm the parent that like freaks out if they wreck their bike or they fall off a chair. So like literally before this phone call, our 18 month old was standing on a chair in the kitchen and falls off, and I'm the parent that's like the one that's like right on top of them. And my wife is like, Josh, like you're freaking them out just as much by being so freaked out by it. It's like so I'm the one who has to back off, and she's always so. So you're right, yeah, because they because if if they see panic on us as parents, they panic too. Yeah. Joshua Straub joining us this afternoon, Dr. Josh Straub. You can go to uh, the website famousathome.com and find out more about Josh and Christie's books, about their podcast, about the work that they're doing. We're talking about how we make Christmas, how we make Jesus the center of Christmas. And we'd love your phone calls at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'll take a time out, continue in just a minute. You're listening to Southern California Live on KKLA. Southern California Live on KKLA. It's uh, 26 past four. I'm Bob Lapine. We're talking about how we keep Christ in Christmas. Songs like that's one of the ways we do it. I mean, I think it's fine to have... I'll be home for Christmas, and you can sing about Rudolph, and and that's all fun. But you can also keep singing about Jesus. It's always interesting to me to be walking in uh, in malls or in in stores right before Christmas and hear God and sinners reconciled being blared over the loudspeakers at Walmart or Target. So I mean, that doesn't happen any other time of the year. It's nice when it happens, and we can cheer that on. Josh Straub is joining us this afternoon. Josh and Christy have written a book for families called 25 Days of the Christmas Story, and it's not too late to start engaging with this book with your kids and make it a part of what you do during the Christmas season. I did notice, Josh, that um, Santa Claus is not in the book, <laughs> so I'm curious, <laughs> how, how, how have the Straubs chosen to handle Santa at your house? Oh, that's a great question. You know, we, um, you know, it's funny. Our kids are learning about St. Nick this year. uh, And uh, I mean, learning more about the original St. Nick, which is really cool. It's been exciting because I've learned more about him. Um, But one of the things, my wife, Christy, grew up um, in a home where her parents um, said, you know, if they asked, so they would do the Santa thing. And if the kids ever asked, um, her parents would simply say, Santa is pretend. And in our home, we pretend. And so um, that's kind of been the same uh, route we take. And, and our kids asked us at an early age, you know, um, I, I think, you know, probably around the five, six age, you know, they would say, hey, you know, they'd start to question, you know, Santa a little bit. And, and our response to them was, you know, Santa is pretend, but in our home we pretend. Hmm. And so we, we pretend and, and, uh, and they love that. They love going along with that. And, um, but the cool part of this year is they're starting to learn about the real St. Nick, and that's been a neat, neat lesson for, for our family. So that's been pretty cool. 
there I mean the whole idea of kids engaging with with fantasy with fairy tales with imagination there's something important about doing that as long as and I think what you've done is brilliant you you're inviting them into that story and into the depth of that story without the without lying to them or without making something appear to be true that they later find out well wait you you told me santa was true you also told me jesus was true how do i you know how do i process that so it, but it is important right. for kids to have the imagination and the play as a part of the whole delight of the season right so good that's so good absolutely yeah and there is a magic to the season and i think you know part of the magic comes from the fairy tale and in that type of thing but the other i mean we know where the where the true uh, you know, you don't want to use where you don't use the word magic, but the the real spiritual uh, the real spirituality of it happens, and yeah. that's the birth of of the Savior of the world. I mean, and that's that's what we hone in on more, and we just kind of gauged it in our home that we find if we start talking about Santa or we realize the conversation is more about Santa than it is Jesus, we just as parents try to start shifting the conversation uh, more so. And so, um, twenty five days of the Christmas story is a great way of um, you know. Uh, making sure that you every single day are talking about Jesus and talking about the, the you know his coming and what that looks like and means um, and uh, and and truly in our home I think we've gotten to a place where you know we'll sing the Santa song from time to time and things like that but Santa is not that big of a deal in our home um, it, you know of course we have fun with it on the night of and you know we put up the kids love to put carrots out baby carrots out for Rudolph and uh-huh. I like to go out with a hammer and kind of like chop it up a little bit and make it look messy, you know, like the Rudolph <laughs> ate it. And, you know, so we do the fun stuff like that. Um, but uh, but we do, we really hone in on how is God showing up for us in our day-to-day life? Because that's the that's the real stuff. Like, that's, that's where, you know, we just believe in our family. Like, the supernatural world is so much more real than the world we're living in, the world mm-hmm. we can see. And, you know, Jesus' coming isn't just about his birth. It's not just about the past. Je- uh, Jesus is coming— he comes in the past as 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 a human in 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 his birth as a baby. He's coming again in the future, and so I really see this this whole idea of Advent and coming. And we talk about this with our kids of like the second coming, you know, is coming, and you know, there's going to come a day where there's a whole new heaven and a new earth, and we get to partner with Jesus in making all things new. That's part of you know praying and and, and serving people and loving your neighbors. We get to partner with Jesus in that, and that's exciting. Um, but he also comes to us in the present, and um, he comes to us, he lives with us, he lives in us. And so how do we experience him in the present and his coming in the present? And we have to slow down our lives. That's, that's where we just teach our kids, you know, and just really try to help our kids understand the power of prayer, practicing prayer, um, and just uh, seeing how he's showing up in the day-to-day life. And so one of the things we'll do with us, uh, it's something that we've been practicing more of lately, and that's kind of a, uh, a daily examine at the end of the day where we do uh, a prayer of examine and just look back on the day and see how did God show up in our lives or where did we see him at work in our lives? And then uh, what, what, what feelings did we have uh, this day, you know, around how God showed up? Or, and there's days where he, we didn't see him show up. Um, there's probably a lot of days where we, where we didn't see him at work. Um, but a lot of times that's when we're busy and, and we didn't slow down enough to, to, to take notice. And so, but it's just good to take a moment as a family at the end of the day, if you can. And again, it's not like we do this every single night, but we're doing it as much as we can, um, where we just remember to look back on the day and say, 
did you see God at work today in your life? And just try, trying to teach our kids, like, where did you see him at work? And to try to see him at work, because he's in our present, that he's, he comes in our present life. And um, if we're running frantic, we can miss it. And so it's not just about his birth. It's about his present and future coming as well. Dr. Josh Straub is our guest. We're talking about how we keep Christ at the center of our Christmas celebration. Josh and Christy have written a book uh, called The 25 Days of the Christmas Story. That's a great book for families to use to make that a part of how you keep uh, the focus where it belongs uh, you're welcome to join us at 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We'd love to hear about what you're doing in your home and how your kids are responding. Josh, one of the questions I have for you, this, this is a season that can get so focused on the the stuff, the materialism, the, the what we want for Christmas. I remember as a kid, I mean, I was obsessing over what I was going to get for Christmas, and I'm watching um, moms and dads and grandparents who, uh, I'll just betray my own my own prejudices here, I, I think um, a lot of money is being spent that does not need to be spent on kids and grandkids, because uh, you, you can quickly warp the season by how extravagant you make the holiday for your for your kids or grandkids, don't you think? Yeah, oh, for sure. And, you know, what was fascinating about it is, is my dad, he passed away in 2016, um, and uh, I can remember him. I mean, he would just go all out on Christmas. I mean, he would just spend – it was his favorite time of the year. It was the thing that he loved to do. And I would always say, Dad, you don't need to spend so much money. You don't need to give us so many gifts. And I realized it's just what he loved to do. It was his way of showing everybody how much, you know – uh, he loved them, and but at the same time too, I realize that so often what happens with families is grandparents, in particular, will overgive um, without talking to their adult children first about it. And so one of the things that I actually talked to my dad about um, this was before he passed, but and our kids were super were a lot younger back then too, um, was just starting to say, hey, what if we started spending money on experiences instead of um, instead of instead of things. Because so often what ends up happening is is kids get so many gifts. We find this with our kids. Like they can get so many gifts that they're overwhelmed by the amount of gifts that they're getting. Right. And then and and especially if you're in like I grew up in a divorced home, right? So I I went to my mom's house and then I'd go to my dad's house and then I'd go to this parent on this or this grandparent on this side and then this grandparent on this side and 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 it, you know you can end up just getting so many. Get, and then the next thing you know, half of those toys the kids play with for. 30 minutes and then you, you, they, you throw them away or they don't, they forget about them and they lose their novelty. And so I think it's just important for grandparents and parents to talk about what, what really matters. And we're just huge. We're a huge experience family. So we try to, that was part of our planning. What we talked about earlier is we try to plan more so activities where our kids are, where we're making memories with our kids than material possessions. And so that's just one of our family values. It's kind of one of adventure is one of our family values. And, and so we try to create adventure uh, more so than gifts. Now, it's not that we're taking away gifts from our kids. We're just being super intentional about what we're getting them. And, uh, and then we're talking to our parents about that, too. And, and, and we have amazing parents, and our parents are on board with that. And so, so that's, been, that's been huge. Well, I do know that in divorced families or in blended families, there can often be, uh, and, and you understand the, the, the heart behind this, uh, a, a parent 
or a grandparent who wants to overcompensate for the wound or the loss that comes with mm-hmm. the the divorce, and so they wind up thinking this is maybe some way that I can I can compensate for the fact that that it, it life didn't work out the way we thought it was going to work out, and and we were wounded in the process. So yes, you're going to get whatever the I don't know I don't know what the Xbox equivalent of today is. I don't know if there's something super special like that, but a, a lot of kids their first Christmas after mom and dad get a divorce, they they haul it in, and uh, and that's not always healthy for those kids, is it? Well, no, and I can say this too. Like I think so often one of the things that we hear. You know, it's a phrase that we often hear is kids are resilient. Well, kids are resilient. Um, yet uh, the reality is, is yes, they're resilient uh, and they can be resilient, but they're resilient in the moment. But then years later, this is why therapy is so is, is just thriving today is because yeah. all these adults, all these adults are going back into therapy to find their inner child and where they lost their inner child. Mm. And so, you know, for so many uh, families today, we have to realize like, if you're giving your kids a gift um, and it's out of a guilt feeling, right? You know, I don't feel like I've been there enough. I really want to, you know, give them a gift. I just really encourage relationship is, is what matters. And so find ways like when I give, you know, so, you know, we're, we're huge with screen time, like in terms of like limiting screen time, but we do, um, we do have screen time. Our kids have a, a Nintendo switch. And if we get them a game, I'm thinking of ways I'm buying them a game. I'm going to enjoy playing with them. Right. Yeah, so, because yeah. I want to nurture the relationship. And so I just really encourage families. Like if you're going to go all out with your kids, that's fine. Um, but find things that you can do with them, find things that you can do um, where you get them something and you're going to, you're going to use it to nurture your relationship with them. Because I'm telling you, kids care more about the relationship than they do the thing. And um, that's, I mean, I can't, I can't say that enough. Like it was yeah. the relationship is everything. Great wisdom. Joshua Straub joining us, Dr. Joshua Straub. Uh, we're going to continue. Take your phone calls at 888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS. Share with us what you're doing to keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. Email us at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at kkla.com. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. Josh Straub in just a minute. Stay with us. Southern California Live on KKLA. 15 minutes before 5 o'clock, Bob Lapine, we're talking about uh, how we keep Christ at the center of the Christmas season. You can join us at 888-52-TALKS. How do we make this a strategically important season as parents to drive home spiritual truth in the lives of our kids? What are you doing to do that? 888-528-2557 or email us at Live at kkla.com. Dr. Josh Straub is joining us, and uh, he and his wife, Christy, have written a book for all of us to read to kids and grandkids, 25 Days of the Christmas Story. I'd commend that to you. I want to shift gears, though, Josh, and talk about another book you and Christy wrote that's a book that I gave to our kids to read to our grandkids. It's it's the book, What Am I Feeling? And I I, you know, as I, as I looked at this book and at the work that you'd done in this area, I thought to myself, I didn't do a great job as a parent 
trying to help my kids develop emotional intelligence. I just kind of assumed that they would have feelings and they would know what they are. And, and, you know, we, we all just do that. And I I look back later and think I could have done a whole lot better job helping them. They, They know what they're feeling, but they're not sure what the name of it is or what to do with it or how to process it. Can, can you just take us into what we can do as parents to help our kids begin to understand and know how to wisely engage with what's going on in their emotions? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think so often, so emotions are really based in the limbic system of the brain. So in other words, they are, they, they, they tell us about um, something that's wrong in our lives. So for example, you know, you might have heard of the fight, flight, or freeze response that whenever um, you're overwhelmed in fear or you feel threatened, that's the God-given part of our brain that gets us to, to either fight or, or flee a situation. Um, and in, in traumatic situations, it can also lead to freezing. And so um, in that moment, and so we, um, we want to get, rather than reacting to those emotions uh, so often, and, and by the way, emotions are typically they're 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 in this they're in the unconscious part of our brain like we don't really know what it is that we're, we're that we're feeling in our body we just it's the physiological response to it right so when you're fearful you get butterflies in your stomach or you know you might your heart might start to beat really really fast and anger for example you know you, you clench your fists or your teeth and and you can just feel yourself kind of boiling uh in your in your body uh and our ability to label and put words to that uh, feeling is uh, where it moves from the unconscious to the conscious, and it moves from the limbic system to the prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain that's really known for uh, higher functioning parts of the brain. So that's where emotion regulation lives. That's where problem solving lives. It's where self-control lives. And so often when we're overwhelmed in emotion, that part of the brain is actually shut down. And so the way to uh, learn how to problem solve and to really handle strong emotion is to label it and to talk about it. And uh, we see this scripturally like crazy. I mentioned this earlier, Philippians chapter 4. You know, it says uh, how to handle anxiety is to talk to God about it, like label it. Uh, and I believe in a finite way, we as parents um, are a peace that can, uh, can, can be a peace that calms our children's brains when they're overwhelmed with anxiety or anger or fear or whatever that might be, sadness and grief. Uh, by by entering into their world when they're overwhelmed, when they're in that overwhelming moment. Uh, and, and oftentimes what happens, these are the mistakes we make as parents, is so often when our kids are overwhelmed with emotion, they don't know what they're feeling, and it, and it can come out as disobedience. It can come out as just unruly behavior or chaotic behavior where they're just extra energy. And all of a sudden, we as parents are trying to discipline it because we think it's a behavioral issue, when the reality is, is there's something deeper going on underneath Maybe they were embarrassed at school. Maybe they are, you know, they were sad because, uh, you know, uh, you know, a friend, you know, uh, you know, they lost a friend, you know, whatever that might be. There's situations where we need to enter into our kids' world and understand what is it that's going on. Um, how can I, how can I help you? What, 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 um, what feeling might you be having? And that's where the feelings chart is huge. I, I give feelings charts to married couples in marriage retreats now because. You know, it's one of the exercises we do with married couples is to label their feeling because so often what ends up happening is, is we as parents and adults, we don't know what we're feeling. We weren't given the tools to say, I feel embarrassed or rejected today. Or, you know, all I know is that, you know, Mike Christie might come home and she's just acting a certain way. 
towards me and I might take it personally and be like, what is going on? Like uh, when the reality is that she had a hard day and something, yeah. um, you know, influenced her. And, and so our ability to enter into our loved one's world, whether it's our spouses, whether it's our kids, and seek what they're feeling is, is really, really powerful. And and I I love the feelings chart, and I know you make that available for a download on the website, and I'd, I'd encourage folks. It's also yep. with the book, What Am I Feeling, to help kids be able to put words to their feelings and and to label their feelings so that they can make sense of what's going on. Can can we not just sit down and watch the Pixar movie Inside Out with them and we're we're done with all we need to do on that? Yeah, right. <laughs> Although that is a brilliant movie, and I, I had never even seen the movie until after we wrote the book, and someone said, have you, have you ever seen Inside Out? And I'm like, no. They're like, what? Are you kidding me? <laughs> and so now, you know, we love that movie. And, uh, you know, it, that feelings chart's really powerful because, and there's a pull-out in the book, there's a pull-out feelings poster in the back that you can hang, like you said, on your refrigerator or your kid's bedroom. And it was, you know, our daughter Kennedy, she actually just walked into the room here, uh, she, I remember a couple of years ago, she was at a friend's house and she came home. We were actually all at the friend's house. And so the kids were upstairs playing and, and we were with the adults and we came home and she was just really out of sorts. And, and we call her our sweet girl. Like she's such a sweetheart of a girl. But this one particular day, I mean, she was just, we got home and she was just acting out and it was just disrespectful. And, and of course we as parents, we're naturally just disciplining her and being like, what are you doing? What, like, stop it, go to timeout. Like, don't speak to us like that. Like, why are you talking to your brother? Like, it was just, it was, it was so weird now to character for her. Well, later that night, Christy is tucking her into bed and she pulled out the feelings chart and she said, honey, today was a really difficult day. She said, what are you feeling? And she said, can you point to it for me? And Kennedy uh, put her little finger on anger and, and Christy said, is there anything else? And then she pointed to sad and then embarrassed. And, um, and Christy asked her, what did something happen? Like what, what's making you feel sad and embarrassed? And what we came to find out is that, uh, when we were at the friend's house, two of the other girlfriends went into, uh, one of the girls' bedrooms and said, we're going to, we're going to play by ourselves and left Kennedy standing outside and closed the door. And, and the other two girls went and played by themselves and she didn't have words for that. She didn't, she didn't know how to tell us that. I think she felt embarrassed. Um, you know, embarrassed to tell mom and dad, um, embarrassed of the friends. And so, it, but it exposed itself in, in, in disrespectful behavior at home. And so it was a big learning moment for us, too, of going, man, we just need to, as best that we can, even get underneath the, the, the behavior and see what, what really is happening. It does give us better understanding and helps us as parents, and yet at the same time, we've got to make sure that we help our kids understand uh, th- that your feelings aren't aren't what decide the day for you. You 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 don't. That's you, you, huge. Yep. Yeah, it, yeah, and 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 I, I see a lot of parents who want their kids to so resonate with their feelings that all of a sudden now the feelings become what's in charge, and now we have to know how to be in charge of our feelings, don't we? No, and. Absolutely, Bob. And I, and I think, you know, and that goes back to that proverb, that proverb that we talked about, right? Uh, p- patience is better than power and controlling one's emotions and capturing a city. We have to be in control of our emotions. We can't have our emotions be in control of us. And our emotions are in control of us in two ways. Number one, when we don't talk about them or we ignore them. And I think, uh, Bob, kind of what you just, uh, you know, brought up in the beginning with you raising kids, I think, and, and I'd love to just even ask, I think I'm asking as I'm saying this, but what I have seen is that, generally speaking, in your generation, uh, my parents' generation, is, is that 
there was not uh, emotions weren't talked about. They were yeah. suppressed. They weren't. It wasn't. It wasn't something to talk about. Well, when you don't talk about them, you can't control them because you don't understand them, right? But it's like in our generation, I feel like in some respects in our culture, we've gone to the exact opposite, and it's like, oh, whatever you're feeling, you know, you need to make sure that you feel it, and 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 let your emotion. It's almost like you do what's good for you, like what 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 you're feeling. Go with your emotions. Go with, and it's like. No, that's the other way that we don't control our emotions is when we let them control us. We yeah, know what I, they are. You can yeah. be aware of them and still let them control you. The reality is, is to be aware of them so that they're not controlling you and you're making decisions not based on your emotions, but you're making the right decisions out of, um, you know, you have based on your own feeling, but also the feeling of other people and making the right decision, doing what's right according to the Word of God not necessarily what feels good in the moment. And I hate to cut this off, but we are flat out of time. Josh, this has been great. Thank you. I'm going to point people to your website, famousathome.com. Find out about the podcasts and the books. Thanks for your time, Josh. Thanks to all of you for tuning in. We'll see you back tomorrow for Southern California Live. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.